Thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. It's amazing the personalities that are attracted to the world of strength and conditioning. There are some people that you know could have chosen virtually any other field to dedicate their time and energy into, and that without a shadow of a doubt, they would be just as successful. John Anderson is one of those people. John has always thrived in the challenge of chasing the elusive white buffalo that is mastery. It just so happens he's drawn to the painstaking and soul-crushing niche of training. With a background in sport, strongman, pro wrestling, and bodybuilding, John has consistently found ways to translate his drive for self-improvement into quantifiable results. He believes that there's no greater gift to oneself than to create an opportunity from a dream, and no greater crime than to not fulfill it because of lack of hard work. John's book, Deep Water, which was discussed on episode 157, was a huge success and is still available on his website, john-anderson.com. These days, John is also slinging some pretty badass apparel with his new line, Bleeding Edge. To get 20% off your entire purchase at bleedingedgegear.com, stay tuned until the very end of the show for the exclusive, super secret Power Athlete Radio promo code. Side note, Luke's audio is pretty echoey, which makes everything he says sound really profound until you actually listen to what he's saying. This is episode 195. Power Athlete Nation, what is up? You've got Luke and John here in Austin. Tex is over in Clutch City. We're in Hill Country. This is the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Conditioning. And we've got another... F- I tried <laughs> to add an echo. Condo. Strength and condo. Oh, God, ishening. 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 Uh, I hate the term condo. Condo. It's in. It, I'm, it I'm got your Whatever. stamp. Let's, Let's get some condo. John. It got your stamp of approval no, it in our meeting. Yes, it did. It didn't. It didn't. Yeah, you weren't at the meeting, though. Yeah, I wasn't at the meeting. <laughs> this dude I used to play with, Doug Brzezinski, used to always refer to it as the condo test. And I was like, fuck your condo. I'm like, it's not a conditioning test. It's a fucking just run your ass off and, you know, you're trying to game this shit. There is oh, no game. That's why it's not conditioning. It's condo. You run your ass off. <sighs> no, condo means pacing. Uh, we no have, I'm going to barrel forward. Means, and yeah, you know walk. what, dude? Uh, talking about somebody okay, that go. doesn't know here the word go. pacing, let's, we, we have our illustrious, one of our favorite guests, yeah, one another, of our favorite people. Uh, big man John Adderson's back on. Uh, John and I had a, a tech uh, we had a pretty big tech issue. John doesn't know how to turn his computer on. <laughs> but you know what? That's good because I'm a little nervous that if he did, dude, no, no, no. If if he was tech savvy, he'd break the fucking internet. So like, I'm kind of thankful. Yeah. I mean, I'm thankful that you guys. Uh, he's not tech savvy because. So we've with John's another show veteran. He's been on the uh, Power Athlete Radio right when he dropped his his Deep Water ebook, and we sent that sucker out. And I think we got like close to a thousand people ended up pulling that sucker. Yeah. So if you haven't checked out his first episode, it's awesome. That's when we fucking fell in love with the big guy. But John is a uh, let's see, he's a former uh, former wrestler, former strongman, always been in the Iron Game. Well, it was actually strongman wrestler, now pro bodybuilder. Right, so now there's an pro evolution, and is the only man alive who's never eaten a fucking carb. Well, no, he ate it when he was like nine years old, and then he discovered protein. And you know what? <laughs> Fuck every other macronutrient. So whenever somebody's like, because uh, and and John, I'm sure you've seen this, but there's like this whole like revitalize that you if need carbs and like if it fits my macros and all this and like anytime people argue i'm like i'm gonna send you a link for john anderson he hasn't eaten a carb in like 30 fucking years so yeah, go dude, fuck yourself not, if it fits my macros it's if it fits my macro well and yeah that and if you consume enough protein and you fucking train heavy enough and you just will yourself you can fucking grow muscle 
that, you know, that, that, that it fits my macros is just a, a cover for, I want to eat junk food. <laughs> That's, that's exactly right, bro. Dude, we, uh, I, I, I always ask people too with the if it fits or macros. I'm always like, uh, what's the macro for dog shit? Because uh, that's right in there with it. Oh. And people are like, oh, but I need carbs for energy. I'm like, no, you either just need to drink more coffee or some fucking pre-workout. But when someone says, oh, it fits my macros, it's, that, it's the same profile of the person that tells you how big they are and what their body fat percentage is. And I think to myself, somebody tries to tell me how great they are and what their body fat percentage is. I know they don't know shit because body fat percentage means fucking nothing. If you're big, you're strong, you love the way you look, you could be 20 fucking 5% versus if you're 9%, you look like shit, you feel like shit, who fucking cares what the number is? You know? Yeah, sure. No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, dude. So uh, last time you were on the podcast, you were prepping for uh the california pro bodybuilding show um you know we had john on all of a sudden uh you know this uh you know person comes on setting up the computer and i was like dude uh john Harrison shredded and then when all of a sudden the camera panned down we realized it was his girl <laughs> who was setting up the fucking camera and i was like I, I i was like yeah yeah because we couldn't see her face we could just kind of see her shoulders and her chest and i was like Jesus Christ. I was like, dude, John Anderson's got cross striations in his, in his fucking shoulders. And then all of a sudden we like see her face come down and I was like, wait a minute, that's not John Anderson. And then all of a sudden you came on and I was like, holy fuck. I was like, dude, this dude is, uh, so, so long story short. So, uh, we had a great conversation. You guys go back and listen to that podcast, but John was prepping for the show. Um, can you give us a little recap and like, you know, like just kind of like, uh, you know, you, you end up walking into the show. What was your body weight? How are you looking? How are you feeling? What was your expectation? And then what happened? So long and short of it, so, you know, I, I came off my rookie season really hot. And it was, you know, my, my pro debut, my third ever bodybuilding show. And I podium. So I was like, you know, fuck, I get this thing rigged, you know? So, of course, I'm carrying a lot of momentum, you know. And, you know, it's even more fun, the fact that it was literally my third bodybuilding show was my pro debut. A lot of the guys in the back were like, didn't even believe me. I was kind of joking, like, come on, you know. Anyway, so I have that that great rookie season go tearing into my sophomore season. We had our podcast somewhere mid-flight in that prep. And and in my mind, I didn't see it any other way that I was going to be somewhere in that top five on the podium again. Why would I not be? It's my second year. I know more. I'm bigger. I'm in better shape. Anyway, <laughs> clearly. There was, you know, I, I made some mistakes. I fucked some shit up because I got my fucking dick kicked in. I mean, I mean, keep in mind, I mean, to me, getting my dick kicked in is, is middle of the pack. I mean, I was, I think there was like 24, 26 guys, and I was like dead in the middle. And to me, that's the shits. I mean, granted, at a pro level, when you're dealing with that type of competition, competing alone for, for most is what people dream of just getting there. But at the same time, you, you've got to set your own standards. And my standards are I want to do well for what I feel as well. And for me, you know, I want to, you know, being in the top five is doing well, not being fucking 12th. And so, anyway, long and short of it is I, you know, I, I you know, what, when I'm moving forward so fast, and I love moving forward, I sort of, you know, people say, you know, what is it that moves you? For progress, achievement moves me. That's my, I mean, it's like my drug. You know, I, I can't sitting still too long, I start getting fucking twitchy because I want to get something done. It's got to, I got to be do something to move towards my goal. However, when you get the fucking kicked in the dick, sometimes you got to sit down and reflect. I don't really reflect a lot unless I'm trying to figure out where I went wrong. 
obviously if you reflect it, you know, you reflect too much, you're to a certain extent, you know, you can, you can consider people who reflect too much, almost like a method of procrastination or being lazy. I reflect when something goes wrong because I'm trying to figure out where my plan, where the air was on my plan. So I looked all the way back to the beginning of my, of my well, actually, I looked into my bodybuilding career. I couldn't really make sense of it. So I thought, you know, fuck it. I'm going to look at my whole career <clears throat> all the way back to strongman. So, uh, you know, in all these careers, I went from basically being an unknown to into a high level in a very short period of time, you know, roughly less than a, you know, a year and a half, 18 months, 15 months, bodybuilding was like nine. So the long and short of it is this, is I realized when I started to reflect that strong man, same thing. I get in, I get my pro card, you know, I get in to start doing well, make it onto a team USA. We're out competing and all of a sudden I'm looking around and I'm like, fuck, you know, I'm, I'm competing with guys that have been doing this for 10, 12 years. I've been doing this for 18 months. So it puts me in this position of having to basically learn to swim in a much faster current because I haven't been in that current before. Now, keep in mind, that's what makes me progress. Those are the growth periods. And so, and I know that, you know, 100% getting out of your comfort zone, that's where you grow. You don't grow to be comfortable. You know, security can be your worst enemy. So long and short, once I went to wrestling, same, same predicament is that basically I get in, you know, I have my, my agent makes this fraudulent resume. I get a shot in Japan, off I go. Now I'm in the I've been wrestling for, you know, not even a year, six, seven, eight months, and I'm in the ring with somebody who's been doing it for 15 years. So, again, I've got this huge, this, this, this huge uh, deficit of experience to make up. And, obviously, bodybuilding, same fucking thing, except for I was even to that higher level even quicker. So, long as short as I realized that, looking back, that me getting kicked in the dick right here, was, I mean, granted, it was a little bit bigger of a kick in the dick than I would have liked, but the bigger the kick, the more you're going to reflect, the more you're going to restructure. So basically, I realized that this has actually been kind of a pattern in my stuff. The difference is, you know, kicking the dick in my careers in the past might have been, you know, sixth place, not fucking 12th. <laughs> so, so what, uh, uh, what, uh, okay, so, uh, those of you guys listening, I mean, bodybuilding, I mean, obviously, you know, I know you, you're going to explain it, what a kick in the dick is. <laughs> no, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to show you what a kick in the dick is, but it's going to be in, you know, because there's two types of kick in the dick. There's a kick in the dick from the front and then there's a kick in the dick from behind. Yeah. If you get kicked in the nuts from behind, you definitely get both fucking yeah, testicles. Attack. That's it's how you fucking, yeah, that's how you go down. But uh, like, you know, but you, you also were coming from uh, a situation like strongman, right? So strongman, uh, it's not subjective. You either fucking lift it or you don't. You either beat the guy or you don't. So it's kind of cut and dry. There's like not these gray areas. You go into something like the wrestling where, you know, I mean, obviously you fought for real, but a lot of it was kind of choreographed. I mean, I know in Japan, like, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of WWE, but I also know you guys do some real fucking fighting. So whereas it's not like over here where you have professional wrestling, which is, you know, like a show in Japan, you guys mix up between, I mean, I know Bob would do WW or uh, professional wrestling, which was, you know, fucking fabricated, but then he would actually go in and do K1 and pride and some real fighting shit. 
So he's like, it's a weird blend. Like, so, you know, you kind of go into that gray area and now you're in even to the fucking grayest of gray area where now it's completely subjective and there's three people out in front of you that are judging and grading you based off of a standard that you might not necessarily know. And what it seems like with bodybuilding, a lot of that shit is if you paid your dues. So like probably those guys, you know, and I always think too, like, you know, you hyper jump that so fast, all of a sudden you step out in that fucking, you know, stage and they're like, who the fuck is this new guy? So I always wonder like how much you're getting kicked in your dick is fucking subjective. And maybe the fact that, um, you know, maybe a little bit of jealousy or whatever, but you know, that, that here and over there, who gives a fuck, but, uh, um, so you show up to the, you know, like, like what was the body weight? Like how much were you weighing at the time when you showed into that show? So the, my, my goal to come into the Cal Pro is to be basically, basically about the same as I was in my rookie season. I just wanted to be a better, two, I think it was 264 or whatever, somewhere in that neighborhood. You know, obviously, once you get into it, right into that day of the show, the body weight becomes a little less, less subjective because you're, the mirror is your, is your gauge you know, of what you want. But it's in that sure. mid-260s that, that I had success in my rookie season. So I figured, okay, looking at those pictures – I was in killer shape, but I know I could have been leaner. So I think, okay, I had a great off season. I put on some weight, some good muscle weight. I'm going to tear myself back down to that weight again or thereabouts, you know, so I can be still, you know, uh, you know, just 260, mid 260s is big on a fucking bodybuilding stage. You know what I mean? I mean, you know, you got a ton of guys that are, you know, you know, high 230s, 240s. You, once you get north of, you know, 250 and into anywhere 260 or 270, you're fucking enormous, you know? So anyway, <clears throat> what happened was I, I guess to a certain extent, I didn't give myself enough credit for the weight that I had put on in my off season because you always in bodybuilding, people fall, the, 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 they're the victim of the circumstance, circumstance and they do it to themselves. Oh, I, I put on at least 15 pounds of, of good solid muscle this off season. So I'm going to come in so much heavier this year. And then they come in and they're all fucking soft and fucked up looking. Well, I kind of did the flip side, right? I don't think I gave myself enough credit. So when I tried to get back down to that body weight, it flattened me out. I was basically, I was, I had basically, I mean, I was lean and motherfucker. But the problem is to get down to where I was, it was, my muscles were flattening out because there wasn't enough water left. And then what so, happened? And you don't eat carbs, so it isn't like all of a sudden you could go have like 400 fucking pancakes right before the show to like all of a sudden fill up the muscles. I, uh, I think I was telling you this. I was trained with these bodybuilder dudes, and they, uh, if they were looking fat, man, they would carb load like a motherfucker yeah. right before the show, you know, which was funny because they couldn't drink any water, but they're over there fucking eating pancakes. Yeah, yeah. and so, so long and short of it is that, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, they're, it, the bodybuilding especially, man, it is a fucking science, and I'm learning that more and more of that. You know, like in uh, wrestling or even strongman, you, you can kind of track your progress. You kind of know, okay, you know, I'm, I'm doing this, you know, in training. I did this in my last contest. I should be able to do this today. You know, it's just kind of a, it's an easier thing to track as we're bodybuilding. There's so many variables that go in to make that day just right. If one of them fucks it up, it just doesn't work out the way it's supposed to be. And so, you know, like I said, long and short of it is I, you know, I I've, you know, made some mistakes. I got to fucking own them, be accountable for them, and turn that feeling like I want to throw up into something that's positive. And that's where the restructuring and just you know the refocus and everything that's going to make me better this year comes from. I mean, obviously, I would have liked to place well, but let's pretend that I placed, say, 
you know, uh, say I placed fifth, I'd have been jacked, but I wouldn't have had that thing burning in my gut, you know, that gets me up at fucking five in the morning to do shit that I, you know, that's that people a lot of times don't register that sometimes a failure or feeling just completely just destroyed about your, about your performance is actually the best thing that ever happened to you sometimes. Because yeah, I mean, uh, personal growth rarely comes out of victory. Um, you know, you got to have fucking, you know, it's like personal growth and like, you know, uh, you, know, you taking that like reflection and going back and going back to the drawing board it only happens after adversity. And like, you know, I mean, I almost probably think like this probably might've been the best thing. And now all of a sudden you're in a situation where you go back to the drawing board and you're like, all right, now I got something for these motherfuckers. And well, you know, and then you probably, and then you basically have it. Have you done a show since then? Well, so I was going to say, let's continue on down the pipeline. So I, I came at the Cal Pro. I was way flat. I, I didn't. I was just, bottom line is I fucked it up, you know? No other way to put it. So then I go from, from the next, the following weekend, I go up to the Toronto Pro. And the Toronto Pro actually turned out to be this wickedly high-level contest. I mean, there was, I think, uh, I, I believe there was eight people at that contest who either at the Olympia, at the Olympia that year or years in the past. So, I mean, it was fucking stacked with Olympians, which is pretty uncommon, you know? So again, I come in looking better, you know, but I still get my fucking dick kicked in largely this time because this was the fucking toughest field I'd ever been in. So even though I got my dick kicked in again, second week in a fucking row, <laughs> I did love the fact that I got to stand next to some guys you know, fuck, there was a whole bunch of them that were literally, they're Olympians. You know, those are the guys that have been to the place where I want to go or were there later that year. So, of course, you know, my, my burn in my belly just fucking gets even hotter, you know. <clears throat> so I come home and, you know, that's really after that second contest is where I really had the time to really do the restructuring. The judges told me after the I knew I was flat at the Cal Pro, but at the end of the Toronto Pro, I came in a little heavier there. So I was I was closer to 270. And they said, you know what? You're a little flat. You can be a little fuller. I thought, well, goddamn, you know, that's that's great. That's great feedback. So and being fuller, being bigger is not, you know, shit going down is the hard part. Coming up is fucking easy, you know. So uh, the next the third show I did for the year was the um, uh, the Golden State. And that was another, so it was two months later. And so I came in that one, fuck, I was big, man. I was literally on the stage at 280, you know? So I, mean, <laughs> so I was big and I was round. You know, they said that this time I, I made sure that I wasn't too flat, but I went a little too far to the other side. So basically now I've, this, my sophomore season, I had two where I was down too much and I had one where I was up a little bit. So I got to kind of find a way to bridge that middle. You know, and I feel pretty confident about that this year because, you know, I actually, interestingly enough, I was after that contest, I was like, fuck, I feel like I'm right here. I know it's in my sights. I feel like I know what I need to do. So I get ready, starting to get ready for the Frigno Classic, which is the end of the year. And I get a fucking blood clot in my leg and my leg blows up like the size of, you know, easily twice the size of my other leg. So it was uh, obviously clearly I had to withdraw from that contest. Which, so basically, kind of through and through my sophomore season, it was nothing but dick kicking. <laughs> so what, uh, what did they equate the blood, uh, blood clot to? Was it just, uh, you know, training, compression, flying? I mean, anything? 
So here's the interesting, when I go in there, I mean, I, I don't even know what it is. I just know that something's fucking wrong. I got this weird pain in my leg. So I go to the emergency room, it starts, it starts swelling pretty fast. And I know, okay, this is not something I'm just going to go to sleep, you know, and wake up and have my leg fucking seven times the size of my other one because it had doubled over the course of the day. <clears throat> so I get in there. They took a look at it. They determined, you know, I kind of tell them I, I had seen this little puppy spot in my leg, um, you know, in the weeks kind of coming up to where it actually blew up. But I didn't think anything of it. Plus, I mean, I, it's, it's probably not the smartest thing, but I was so in the fucking zone to wanting to basically have that, that, that showing of my sophomore season that got me out of, you know, feeling like I had just fucked the whole season up. So I was kind of just keeping it to the side, not really paying attention to it. And then as it started to get worse, it started to get worse and the legs started to swell. So I went in the ER and the ER doctor, basically they did a whole bunch of, they tested my blood. They did this, they did right away. They saw that my blood was thin. So my body was trying to get some, get rid of something. But here's what he says. Really interesting. This doctor tells me that an average man will have somewhere in the neighborhood of about 10 to 12 heart attacks and blood clots that he will never know about it because the body will basically take care of it on its own, which that was a really trippy fact. You know, I was blown away. So what he told me was when I saw that little, you know, that little puffy spot on my leg <clears throat> that if I wasn't in such good shape and I didn't notice it and I had just been kind of moving around and not prepping for a contest that it probably would have just gone away. But the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm lean. I can tell there's something going on there. So I'm trying to work and I'm trying to get rid of it. You know, when I say not paying attention to it, meaning not going to get help, I'm trying to fix it on my own. <laughs> and so I agitated it and it fucking it blew up. And so as soon as they saw my leg, they ran the test. They basically, they wanted they, what's that little machine where they can look at all your arteries? The thing oh, was, um, uh, ultrasound. Yeah, they found that the, the clot was, was quite a ways away from a main artery. So they said, look, it's not going to jump on one of these highways and fucking knock your lights out. So all you got to do is just be inactive. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck, I got like two weeks on my contest. So I'm like, doc, you know, talk to me here. Is this thing going to be gone at that, you know, in a couple of days? He says, not likely. He said, this thing will probably take a week or two for the swelling to go away. And if you're smart and you let it go away, You'll, you'll be fine, you know, but if you push yourself, you know, and I'm like, let's establish, you know, so I'm like, what kind of training can I do? And he said, well, <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, you can do training as, as long as you don't, as long as you don't create blood pressure. I'm thinking that he clearly doesn't know what kind of training I'm up to, you know? No, nah, <laughs> right. he's like, he I'm going to need you to uh, walk uh, from your driveway to your house and maybe carry a flower pot. And you're <laughs> yeah. like... Well, so this is how he sums it up. He says to me, he says, okay, so once he said this, then I clearly understood what he was saying. He said, okay, now until the swelling goes away, you can only be on your feet for about 90 minutes a day. And I'm like, fuck, my workouts are two and a half hours. It's clear. That knocks that out, you know? So clearly my show was out of the question. I had to withdraw, which really sucked. But, uh, but as you know, on that level, lay down on a couch one day, say on a Saturday, and take a timer. And every time you get up, take a piss or eat or do anything, run that timer, dude. You will be so surprised how fast 90 minutes gets chewed up. I mean, staying in bed, oh, my God. For me, that, that was like the worst form of torture ever. And let me tell you, when I was in, that, it was in bed pretty much for eight, nine days straight, I had more time 
to like when I talk about you know reflect restructure I mean I went so deep into what I originally was thinking about in terms of my original reflection my original restructuring is that time I was like okay this is happening for a reason you know a lot of times something you know something fucked up goes on and it sucks but if you look closely enough and you really take in what's going on you realize it there it's for a purpose and so I thought, okay, well, I don't know what the purpose is other than the fact that it's given me a lot of time to fucking start restructuring, so let's get to work. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> so that was, the, that was my sophomore season, which was, you know, pretty fucking disappointing. But at the same time, um, I feel like when I look back at this in, you know, a couple of years or when the time is that I'm, you know, doing well, I'm going to realize without this fucked up period, I wouldn't have ended up where I'm going to go, you know? So... That was, uh, you know, as uh, I, I wish that I had a more exciting story to tell about fucking just destroying the stage, but it, it's the fucking truth, man. Sometimes, like yeah, I said, yeah, no, what, no, uh, like uh, it's, uh, you know, no, it's I, a real story, man. Yeah, no, I mean, like, uh, like, like honestly, like uh, you know, like like listening to it last time, I'm like, god damn, this dude's had it easy. I'm actually glad you got some fucking adversity <laughs> for once in your life. I mean, what are you, like 45, and this is like the first time you haven't fucking crushed it out the park at like your first opportunity. So like, thank God, like that's, uh, it's good. I mean, it's, um, uh, the, uh, yeah, no, it's fucking great. But I, uh, was there any, like, uh, I'm, I'm always interested when, when you go and the judges give you feedback, were there any lagging body parts or anything that like they said, like, Hey, you know, like, um, you know, cause like, you know, people are like, Oh, your erectors weren't in or your hamstrings or, you know, this, I mean, was there anything that they kind of picked on or they said was a lagging body part? Well, I've heard from basically what I've heard from the jump is that, you know, like my, my, my shoulders and my upper body is, is big and developed and my legs, of course, not in comparison to my upper body are still big, but the balance between upper and lower is not what they want. They said, it's not that your legs are not big enough to carry the, your upper body. That's the fact that your waist is is taking away from some of that illusion of the taper. And so that was when I started really getting down and kind of studying how how the all of the different layers of the abdominals work. And to be honest, when I started getting into it, I didn't really understand it as well as I wanted to. So I just figured, fuck it, I'm going back to what I do it, trial and error, baby. And so I started basically standing in the mirror and started to look at my, my torso and started playing with different ways to flex those muscles to manipulate how it would, it would look. Now, like before, I had no ability to stand there and go through a series of kind of, uh, I shouldn't say a series, but it's, it's flexing a few muscles at a time and literally watch the sides of my obliques come in. Now I can not only do that, but I can hold it there for close to a minute. So I, when, when, when that straight ahead shot is on, I can hit that, bring those fuckers in, that illusion is there. And so I feel like that'll like if this whole series hadn't happened, I would not have made the progress I had with my midsection. And you know, that's that's something that, you know, I would with that kind of problem and hearing that same thing over and over, without some sort of a major step forward, those judges were gonna say, okay, he came back with the same problem he had last time. So I'm very confident that. that with the progress I've made with abdominal control, that it's going to be very clear that I've made the progress that they were asking for. And that's the things to me to judge. We talk to judge and it probably, you probably do the same thing in terms of like somebody asks you for advice and they don't fucking do any of it. It's like, fuck you. But you know, the judge, you ask a judge for advice 
and and you do it, they're like, okay, he's on it. You don't do it, and a fucking guy didn't listen. You know, most people ask for advice because they're more looking for you to co-sign on what they're doing, and then when you tell them something, it's contrary to. For that, do we ever think? Besides uh, SSA cert attendees? Uh, no, I mean, it's just, it's kind of just universal. I mean, people all the time, I mean, and I'm sure you do, you get it too, man. We get all these emails, uh, you know, people reach out, people ask you these questions and you give them like, hey, this is, you know, this is what I think you should do. And if it's not what they want to hear or what they want, then all of a sudden it's like, they just go ask somebody else or they, they argue with you. And I'm like, if you're arguing with me, then why the fuck did you ask my opinion? I mean, I, I got an email, uh, I forwarded it to you guys the other day about this guy who, uh, uh, 26 years old, 174 pounds, CrossFitter. I want to get stronger. You know, like I got three kids. He's giving me all this other stuff. They're giving me all this pressure. What do you think? And I'm like, fucking either find a new gym or put some weights in your garage and fucking enjoy your kids and bang some weights and have some fun. Stop feeling fucking, you know, grown men don't feel pressured to do shit like that. Like fucking man up and like, you know, probably not what we wanted to hear. He wanted to hear like, no, it'll be okay. Just fucking, you know, like, but like, but, but that's what people want, dude. I mean, like, like, and, and that was the one thing that, uh, I appreciated about your deep water stuff was like, look in the fucking mirror and be honest with yourself. And it's like, you know, the minute that you can take that honest approach and start realizing what's happening around you and like, you know, make those conscious changes, but also, you know, like, um, I, I always think it's a higher level of intelligence for the people that can not only learn from their mistakes, but also allow people to influence them so they don't go back and make the same fucking mistakes. Absolutely. And I remember my dad told me it's, it's the dumb man that can't learn from others' mistakes and keeps making the same fucking mistake over again. So all of a sudden you go into a situation and you, you know, now here you like, you know, you go to the judge and you're like, Hey, this is the motherfucker judging me. What do I need to win this contest? And the guy tells you, you write it down and you're like, no shit, I'll put that on my wall and that's what I'm going to fucking do. But yet people like uh, somehow think they're getting tricked or like, no, no, I know better. And I'm like, dude, like, but uh, yeah, I mean, the judging's not fair. Oh fuck, man. That's the, you know, that's the voice of a fucking, uh, of a person who is such a fucking loser. He doesn't have the nuts to make the changes to be a winner. You know, well, I mean, is, uh, is bodybuilding like, um, uh, you know, like coming from like strong man where it's like a bunch of big strong motherfuckers, you know, just going hard at it. And then even going into wrestling where you have a lot of those guys that are fucking in it. I mean, it kind of seems, and, and dude, I, I, I've only known a, a fair amount of bodybuilders peripherally, but now that you're in the mix more, um, is it the similar mindset to like athletes or is it more like kind of, uh, like kind of prima donnas? Cause a lot of the guys I met were like fucking more high maintenance than any girl I'd ever met. So I, I wonder like how many of those are like the fragile egos more so than like, you know, you're going to strong man and the dudes are, you know, fucking break their arm, like set it, let's get back out there. Other guys are like, you know, oh, my tan's not good. I don't want to step on stage. You know, the way that I see that, and I think that's, a, this is my, my thought is there's a little bit of a universal answer to this. And, you know, for, I'd be very curious to hear your feedback from, from football because I mean, so football is one of America's favorite sports. So if this, if this exists there too, this will be interesting. So, it's kind of like when you meet an athlete, whatever sport, if he's actually made it and established himself, then usually he's going to be very supportive of other people making it too. It's the people that are, that are you know, down at the bottom, kicking a scratch and don't know what the fuck they're doing and probably will never make it and they know it. That's, those are the cocksuckers. Is that the way it is in football? Yeah. <laughs> I lost the audio, but I can see you say 100%. <laughs> hey, can you get the audio back for me? 
hold on. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, um, yeah, like 100%. When I was a young guy and like, I was trying to learn my craft, I remember there were like, uh, you know, dude that was making like $10 million a year. I mean, dude made so much dough. Uh, you know, he was more than happy to stay after practice and work. And, uh, you know, guy like Will Shields who played like 14, you know, 14 fucking years of pro bowl and, you know, in the hall of fame was like the first dude to like offer up a guy be like, Hey, try this. Don't do this. Like he just was. And so like, for me, like that was all the guys that were, I was around. And so whenever young guys asked me or anything, I was always quick to mentor them or be like, Hey, don't do this. Don't do this. I remember, uh, playing with guys who wouldn't fucking do that or even were kind of fucking assholes. Um, you know, I remember when I went to uh, New England my last year, I mean, uh, you know, like the young guys were kind of cocksuckers to me because they knew I was fucking better than them. And then, you know, all of a sudden they're like kind of unfriendly and I'm like more than friendly. I'm like, Hey, fuck dude, you need a ride. Like, and they were, it, it was such a weird thing. And I, I always remember being like, dude, uh, you know, I know you guys look at everybody as, uh, you know, the potential that you might not make the team, but it's almost like when you're looking at that, you're looking at the wrong place. You need to look out like past that way. And I'm sure like similar deal, you know, for you, you go in there and these guys are like, fuck this dude, this guy's only been doing this for a year. And they're probably, I'm sure these guys were probably fucking salty, salty assholes yeah, to you where you're like, Hey man, like high five, what's going on? Like so friendly that they're probably like, you know, so it probably angered them. Like I can't imagine the fucking anger that these dudes have. Well, you know, on that level, just like what you're saying in football, the guys that have established themselves that are that are, are basically they put their stamp on bodybuilding, they're they're open arm. You know, it's the guys that are just kind of that cusp, you know, that they're you know, they're still trying to feel established. I came into bodybuilding, I was established in two other sports. So I, I carried this this positive attitude into bodybuilding, even through the two amateur shows I went to, and that's where you saw that shit because the amateur shows is where everybody is, you know, you've got I mean, fuck, at that point you've got so many personalities because any fucking derelict can fucking put a tan on and put these fucking bikini shorts on and walk out of stage. Let me tell you, there's plenty of them who look like they didn't die today. <laughs> you know? They're like, I've been eating pizza and beer and, uh, yeah, uh, this morning. And they like, dude, but you know what? I got a sick fucking tan. I got these purple posing yes. shorts, dude. Let's fucking get it rocking. My shit's purple. Let's go, you know? So, <laughs> but... But on that level, it sounds like it may be a little, it's probably a bit universal. And Strongman was the same way. You know, Strongman was, you know, when, when, uh, when, of course, there's always when I come in so quick, that's always a little bit of alarming to people. But it's the people that are always established that will immediately take me in. It's the ones that have maybe just gotten there themselves, like you're talking about some of the younger players in New England that were like, hey, I don't like the fact this this guy's competition or what, who, what, no, who fucking knows what's going through their mind. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, much like yourself, you know, when you're true to who you are, that's when people look at you like, you know, there's something different here, you know, because everybody can be driven by fear, by all these things that, that can be used positively. And if they don't know how to use it positively, it throws a really negative aura around them as a person. You know what I mean? So when you're scared, that's when you use, that's a fucking motor, man. That's like when that, when you get that feeling in your belly, like butterflies are moving around, or maybe it's like a couple of fuck up for me when I get really fired up. So that there's like a couple of fucking hippos fighting over a carrot in my stomach. You know, that is a, I mean that right there, that is a motor dude. When I feel that I can get some fucking shit done. You know what I mean? So, granted, it's a it's a blessing and a curse because usually you're out on the cusp and feel like you're going to throw up, but you know that you can get you can do more at that time than you can do at any other point in your life. You know what I mean? 
but so many people have not connected. Well, like uh, the. Oh, hey, uh, uh, since you, um, since then, like, I know it's a big thing for like the bodybuilding guys to basically travel around and train with each other, you know, like, Hey, this guy goes and they, you know, fucking shoot some fucking YouTube video of them. I don't know, doing something, but, uh, have you had the opportunity to train with any of the other top pros since, uh, since you got into it? So here's, and this is an interesting question because I still fight with the concept we're talking about here. So when I first started, you know, actually probably you and same thing back when you were, when you were playing ball, it was, there was no social media. Self-promotion was heavily frowned upon. You know, if you promoted yourself, people were like, what the fuck is this guy doing? You know, if you're going to get promoted, it was by your sponsor, not yourself. And so there's still, I still have this old school piece of me, which probably hurts me in the bigger picture of my popularity on the social media. But I feel like, um, being known for my accomplishments is better than being known for who I fucking shot a video with because that's how people really promote the growth in their networks. You know, they go do something with somebody that's got, you know, 5 million followers and fucking pow, instant, they get this huge big push. So, you know, there's been a, there's a, I'm going to have some opportunities to go, to go do some stuff like you're saying, but there's still that piece of me that's kind of back to like the development of deep water where I still feel like, I'm doing it my way, and I still like to, to feel like I'm not influenced. I feel like, you know, that there's pioneering a path of success is just, is just pioneering, actually creating the path. The pioneering the path is as exciting to me as when the path actually yields the success. And so I'm not trying to say that I'm being secretive, but I think from that, just from kind of my origin where I started, you know, I stumbled across eating lots of protein and I'm like, fuck, let's run with this. And I kind of developed that. And, you know, even the way I go about bodybuilding is still a bit different. You know, my training is, is of course, is definitely more on the bodybuilding side, but I still don't train, I would say, like the majority of, of other pros. It's just, I just have different roots. <laughs> you know so what uh what like um what would you like part well part, part of the reason i asked selfishly uh i was hoping for a story of like some like you know pro guy being like hey come in and then all of a sudden three hours later after you've not only buried the guy under the fucking gym gone home showered ate like you know 75 meat patties and came back and fucking dug him off to get through another workout so i was just hoping for some like deep water like kind of like and, and I'm, I'm sure you uh, uh have seen it dude like me but like um i re remember watching uh dorian yates's uh, blood and guts video did you ever see that the vhs tape uh dude yeah like dude like him training fucking grainy like that fucking uh gym in birmingham and i can't remember the name of it but it was like in a dungeon and like he was you know just doing crazy shit like you know barbell row fucking you know 600 plus pounds for reps i mean i saw blood and guts and i was like oh my God, like this is the level of intensity that fuck, I mean, there's a reason that fucking Dorian fucking killed everybody, but like that type of stuff. So what I was hoping for was, uh, you know, at some point there's gotta be some like fucking deep water version of that where you're just coming in and just fucking, you know, to the point where people don't even want to train with you anymore. And they're like, dude, I just got guys that's fucking racked the weights because nobody can hang. Like, you know, I, on that level, I don't know if we talked this last time, but I would say, I probably have burned through more training partners than anybody I've ever heard of. I mean, I, I've had so many training partners because anybody can kick ass for two months, six months, but who can do it for fucking five years at that level? You know, but even my lady, you know, the, she basically, she came to me the other day and she said, you know, she said, honey, 
I know that you're not built to do this, but I have to, I have to go on a vacation. I need to go and unplug. You know, she said, it's just, you know, our life moves so fast. I just can't do it anymore. I said, honey, I'm, I listen. I said, if you need to go unplug, do it. I said, you want to just, you want to just not work for a week or do you know? She said, no, I need to get away from all this. She said, I can't unplug when you're running around here, you know, hundred miles an hour all the time. And that's just that, that speed about the way I go about doing things is like, uh, it's, it's just who I am now. I'm conditioned to do things this way, you know? So, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a trip because training partners, I mean, they, they feel full blown. I mean, one of them, I don't know if I told you the story, one of my buddies, <clears throat> when I did my first competition, he'd been a bodybuilder for years. And so I was told him at some point, dude, I'm going to do a bodybuilding show, just more of a joke, you know, cause first, you know, I've known him for a whole lot, long time. He's watched me through all my careers. And then when I was like, fuck, dude, it's time. I'm going to do this. You know, he's like, fuck, this is perfect. You know, he worked out me here and there. This is perfect. I'll do one too. We'll train together. So I trained. We basically, I did the Governor's Cup and he did the Contra Costa, which was a month later. And because uh, obviously we didn't want to go head to head. And uh, anyway, when we finished training for this, for this, for our competitions, he basically, he actually, first off, he won his overall, which he'd never done before, which was awesome. And then once the dust settled, about two weeks later, he calls me and he goes, uh, I don't know how to tell you this, buddy, but I quit bodybuilding. <laughs> he, had just, <laughs> he, had been, he had been run so fucking ragged, he couldn't see past just letting himself recover. He was done. He was, he was beyond right, you know? <laughs> so you just put your boot heel on him and drove him into the, well, actually it's more like you put your shoulder in his back and drove him across the finish line. And then the guy was like, I don't want to do it anymore. So I find that it's like a joke. I tell him all the time, I say, what's up, dude? You going to quit again? You know, because <laughs> of course, uh, yeah, yeah, you got, got him. him. He fucking literally went off the map for about six months. I mean, Literally, wouldn't he just, I mean, not that he wouldn't call me back, but he wanted nothing with training. And then, once, <laughs> and then once, once he kind of got, you know, obviously got feeling normal again, he started training here and there. But even now, he still knows better. Than you. He'll grab a periodic workout, but he's not scheduling a week's worth anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now I, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking waiting for like, uh, you, you know, after we have this conversation now, I'm waiting for like the text message to come through and be like, oh yeah, man, I'm going to train with this dude. I'm going to bury this motherfucker in the backyard. And like, dude, like I, you know, like I always see like, you know, on the YouTube stuff pop up and it's like, oh, so-and-so's training with this guy. And you like see it and you're like, I, I just keep hoping to see like, uh, you know, how come I'm like, damn, like, uh, I wonder why fucking John's never in any of these things. And I'm probably like, dude, these guys don't want that shit. You know? I mean, cause like if you see it, like there's some, you know, like, uh, some fairly strong dudes, but, um, you know, there's this definite kind of weird, like, kind of like, uh, you know, some strength stuff, but, uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, uh, can get shattered pretty easily. yeah. Like I, and, and, and I think that's a big thing with those guys. I mean, they're all, I, I don't know if they're all fucking fragile, but I, I definitely know, at least from my experience, the bodybuilding guys I trained with were fucking fragile butterflies. Like they had a bad day and they all just wanted to go home and cry and eat a box of cookies. And I was like, dude, bad days are what make for fucking good days. If every day was a good day, how do you know what a fucking bad day is? Well, you're on that level too, what you're saying, it's very true because especially when you go into a, you know, a dieting phase where you're prepping for a contest, you pretty much know that you've got a, you know, a fucking pretty long hoe ahead of you of, of, you know, being tired, being fucking just all of the things that make you not want to do what you want to do. That's what you got four months of that shit ahead of you. 
And so if you're not mentally strong enough to get through it, some shit you got to let roll off your back, some shit you just got to fucking crack in the mouth and get done with because, you know, a lot of times, and you hear a lot of guys will say this, they get to their show and their fucking life is in disarray because they were unable to cope with anything other than getting through the day with whatever they have for bodybuilding. So, I mean, that's there's no question there. There's a big you know, what you're saying is very true because, you know, you have to be mentally strong enough to do whatever you got in your life. And like for myself, man, I keep myself, I mean, I, I love what I do. So I got so much shit going on. Sometimes I actually have to, you know, when, when I unplug, it'll be for 12 hours, not for a week. You know, I just get to that point where it's almost like, you know, the fuck, like literally just the other day, I came home about an hour early. <clears throat> I went in my bedroom turned the fucking lights off, drew the shades, pitch black, pitch dark, locked the door, just laid on my bed and just waited for everything to disconnect, you know? And, uh, but you know, I'm pretty good with bouncing back after a little deal like that. Some people, they disconnect and they fucking start eating like shit. They don't train and they create this fucking hole they got to dig themselves out of. What really all you got to do is fucking toughen up for a few hours and let this shit pass, you know? But fragile is a very good way to describe <laughs> bodybuilders as a whole i would definitely agree well i mean uh, i wonder if it's like if, if it's the training if it's the food or even you know you think about the amount of drugs too i mean you know i mean i'm sure you've seen like the the one thing that always amazed me was uh some of the guys that whenever i rap with them because some of the guys that took the most drugs actually looked the worst and then you meet other dudes that were like uh, you know like I remember, uh, you know, I think I might have told you this, but years ago we we were in Vegas with Bob Sapp and uh, we met Craig Titus, and uh, that guy started, you know, coming over. And I remember we were rapping with him, and he was so fucking open about all that stuff. And I remember looking at the guy and like the amount of sh like stuff. And there was actually another pro bodybuilder who was pretty high ranked at the time was there, and he's like, you know, that dude takes enough shit for one show that I take in an entire year. And yeah, I thought that was pretty fucking interesting. And he's yeah. like, you know what? It's all over the map. You have some guys that are like, you know, fucking you know take the pharmacy every day and you got other guys that you know do this and he's like it's all you know based on some of these things and you know you think about uh i always wonder like what's a contributing factor and then also uh you know how much of its genetics are playing into it i mean you know you came had such a fucking background of strength training uh for so many years of just heavy heavy fucking barbells that the day that you decided to change it up it was fairly easy i always look at these guys and wonder if they don't have the base they haven't built the base level of strength and muscle and density that like you know tensile strength of just folding and folding and fucking going through the crucible to effectively really have that shit which is i mean you know only happens with time and fucking heavy weights you know what something you said in their tree of my mind I think both Flex Wheeler and Kevin LeBron have gone on record. And these guys are, you know, these are, you know, Hall of Fame fucking athlete bodybuilders, you know. I mean, their names will remember forever, you know. <clears throat> and they both have gone on record about the state of today's bodybuilders saying today's bodybuilders don't suffer enough. And largely it's because they think that there's some sort of a pill they're going to take that's going to eliminate that suffering when there's no... There is no replacement for fucking feeling like shit for fucking a month. You know, there's no pill that is going to replace, you know, going, you know, digging yourself through the worst of times because when you feel the worst, that's when your body's changing the most. I mean, there's no, let's be fucking honest here. If you feel good, that's fucking wonderful, but don't expect to look a lot better in a month if you feel good the whole time. You know, it's, it's discomfort. It's, it's all that shit that creates the growth or the loss, whatever it is we're talking about, you know? So, 
you know, going back to like Craig Titus, you know, there, you know, there's a whole breed of people coming through all sports actually that think that, you know, that substance is the key to success when it's the guys that, that learn that fucking painstaking hard work, how much progress that can make you. Those are the guys that don't turn into the abusers, you know, because, you know, the guys that never learn to hard work, they just think, oh, I'll just take a little more of this, take a little more of that, and it'll fix everything. When there's no replacement for that. There's no replacement yeah, it, for it, it, It's almost like using the drugs to backfill. It's almost like they're, they're, uh, they're trying to use the fucking drugs to backfill what they should be filling it with, which is fucking hard work. I mean, uh, you know, like I always think, like, uh, you know, at our, you know, when we go to teach seminars, uh, you know, we, uh, when I'm wrapping on nutrition, I always ask people, like, you know, what was the difference? Like, you know, you show them a picture of like Arnold Schwarzenegger, like Arnold looks pretty fucking amazing, you know, aesthetic, like, and then you show them like, you know, the guys today and I'm like, what's the difference? And everybody's first comment is drugs. And I'm like, nah, that's not the case. Cause they really haven't invented the new steroids since like 1954. So I'm like, <laughs> the only thing that they figured out was that like, you know, and then you start talking about, you know, insulin growth hormone and you kind of get into some of that stuff. But I'm like, but for the most part, like what, what's the difference? And, uh, you know, and then people kind of go through and the one that I'm always on is go back and watch pumping iron or go back and watch any of those clips of Arnold and those guys training back in the day and then watch some of the clips of how these guys are training today. And you'll see a fucking difference, not only in intensity in movements and how they're doing it. And like, uh, you know, like, and also, you know, how those guys dieted, what they did. And like, you know, there's, uh, there's some real fucking like, I mean, you know, you've seen it, dude. Like, like there's a reason Dorian Waits looked the way he did. There's a reason the way Arnold and you see these other guys. And it's just like, it's almost as if it looks so fucking artificial because they haven't put the work in and they've just almost backfilled it. You can tell it with the drugs. 100%. And, and it's, it's, you're, you're so hitting it on the head. I mean, they're, they're just, there's, there's no replacement, you know I mean? You basically, what you're describing about Arnold and Dorian, all these, these kind of these older, like, uh, cl you know, clips, so to speak. The difference is these fucking guys did that all the time. Not just when they're making a fucking 67, 60 second clip for their fucking Instagram. <laughs> you know, I mean, nowadays you take a clip of somebody busting ass. I'm sure he, I, clearly he busted his ass for that nasty 45 seconds. But what happened the rest of the workout or the rest of the week for that matter? You know, it's like that kind of takes me back to where, you know, that, that old school mentality of thought process that if I had to choose what I'm going to be remembered for, it would be what I actually accomplished, not meaning in, in actual sport, you know, accomplishment, not fucking following or that kind of shit. Now, granted, now they're, they're, they kind of become hand in hand, but the bottom line is that there's so much of a difference between that person, the old school mentality, and that new, new school mentality. Like you said, they're backfilling, they're, you know, it's like they're trying to create this aura on their social media. But if you, you can see the difference between the guy that fucking lives it, and the guy that pretends he lives it, you know? Where, where was this lost? At what point? Was it the dawn of I, Facebook, Instagram? Well, you know, I, if my theory on that, and that's a great fucking question, brother. And, and speaking of which, I go into this in my next book, which is actually just finished. It's Rough Draft State right now. And I'm a firm believer that it all comes down to accountability. Our society, especially Americans, have lost accountability. And it comes nowadays, even like fucking parents will make excuses. The kid won't even have to make excuses for himself because the fucking parents taking care of it for him. <laughs> you know, it's like if you can get back to, you know, being accountable to yourself, being accountable to your training partners, being accountable to, 
you know, your competition goals, be accountable to your sponsors. Now we've got some roots here that resemble what we used to see um, as to where, you know, nowadays it's like, Jesus Christ. I mean, the people that make it, you know, obviously they, they have a pretty high level of accountability. They wouldn't get to where they've gone. But you talk to, I mean, God, I mean, you guys see it, I'm sure, in the gym. Everybody's got a fucking reason why they didn't do what they should have done. You know, the best thing you could do when you don't get it done is fucking say, I fucked up, but I'm going to fix the problem. You know what I mean? And I think my, my, my gut is that you got to kind of get down beneath what you can actually see. Of course, we see the differences, but what creates what we see is that shit that's programmed inside of us. And if we are programming it as a society, I mean, we have become such a weak, fucking pussy-filled society. It's unbelievable. Where are the fucking tough guys? They've all, they've all died or they're all retired now. <laughs> You know, <laughs> so. no, it's, um, you, you know what, uh, I, I, I don't know if you caught it, but, uh, uh, we packed up the company and we moved to Austin, Texas, uh, right before the end of the year. So I uh, decided that, you know, Newport beach wasn't necessarily where we wanted to have power athletes. So we packed up the team and we basically moved out here to Austin and, uh, you know, bought some acreage outside of town and, you know, doing everything that we should in terms of like, you know, putting up a gym and, you know, having a training facility and, you know, bitching place. And, uh, you know, just couldn't really do what we wanted to do in Orange County. And I always think that uh, one of the worst experiences I ever had was owning a commercial gym in Orange County where we lived because you dealt with the most high maintenance motherfuckers. And I remember talking to other buddies that own gyms and people and telling about some of the problems I encountered that they had never even heard of. Like, uh, hey, uh, you know, can you put my membership on hold for a month? I'm going skiing for a month in the Alps and uh, I don't want to pay this $180. And you're like, so wait a minute, you're going to go drop like fucking 20 G's on some ski vacation and have the ability to take a fucking month off from fucking life to go ski for a month. And you're worried about the $180, but you just want me to put it on hold. And I remember being like, we don't have holds fucking quit. If you want to come back fucking, and they would quit and they would never come back. And like, it was just like, it, it got to the point at least where we looked around and thought, shit, man, this isn't the values I want for my kids. This isn't the value I want for me. And these aren't the people I want to be around. And, um, you know, and it's funny, like Luke and I rapping about this in the three, almost three, four weeks we've been here, we have met more, uh, you know, and I hate using fucking the term old school, just like how people should be, but just fucking like, yeah, just so, like, yeah, like, like normal fucking, you know, like, like my neighbor came over the other day and we, or yesterday and we were rapping and he's like, oh yeah, I'll bring my fucking tractor over and we'll clear the shit up. Dude, I was in fucking Newport Beach for damn near, I think like 14 years. And uh, I remember um, I was driving down 17th, which was the main drag to work. And there was a lady whose car had stalled out. She'd run out of gas and people were literally driving by honking and giving her the finger. And so I fucking pulled in, put on my blinkers, popped out, knocked in her window. So what's up? She's like, oh, I ran out of gas. I'm like, no problem. Um, how long you been here? Fucking 20 minutes. And I was like, so you've been in this car for 20 minutes. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, oh, people just keep honking, give me the finger. And all I said was, put it neutral. And I fucking pushed her car into a spot. And she's like, and I was like, uh, and I, I, she's like, oh, thank you so much. Can you offer me money? I'm like, I don't need any fucking money. But, uh, you know, and I'm like, so you were here fucking 20 minutes blocking traffic. Not a single person got out of their car and helped you to fucking push. And all they did was honk and give you a finger. She's like, yeah. And I'm like, and, and I'm like, I'm the first person that came up. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, no problem, dude. You're good. And I got my car and drove away. And people, and my car was sitting there, the fucking blinkers on, and people were honking at me. And I was, I wanted to like literally throw a fucking bat through their windows. But I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, uh, that's just a, a small little glimpse 
of where we were. And, um, you know, and I, I, I think it's like a weird sense of entitlement where, you know, like, you know, we would have a gym where people come in to train they'd be like, yeah, I, I want to lift weights. I want to train, but I don't want to get bulky. And I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck that means. I'm like, yeah, like it was so fucking weird, especially for disconnect or people be like, Oh, I'm, I'm injured. I can't train. Oh shit. What's wrong? Um, you know, and they're like, well, I'm hurt. I'm like, fuck, I, uh, I broke my leg. And I was casted three weeks and played 17 weeks on a broken leg in the NFL. Like, I was fucked up. Like, are you hurt like that? No, uh, my shoulder's a little sore. I'm like, oh, okay. So, like, it's just fucking perspective. And I think, like, um, you know, like, what you're talking about is I think that people, uh, you know, because everything's so automated and everything's so easy and you have somebody to do everything for you, that people no longer uh, understand the value of, uh, of that hard work and putting it together because everything's done with the press of the button. Oh, you're, you know? I mean, you are, oh my God, I mean, that is so, if, if, if we could take all these fucking weak-minded, pathetic motherfuckers and line them up across, you know, if we had the space, because God knows it'd be a fucking line that'd wrap around the world. <laughs> and if we could actually somehow get them to engage in an activity, you know, truly commit to it enough to understand how good it feels to achieve something you didn't think you could do, they might they just a look at the other side. I bet there'd be a, a pretty good percentage of them that would decide that what the way they were living was fucking horseshit. But it's like it's almost like totally. kids of today, they're they're programmed that you know it's like I mean, so in my training facility, <clears throat> I have you know a lot of student athletes come in. I love helping to you know, speaking of which, one of my kids got a full ride to Cal. Oh, fucking congratulations. That's fucking dude, see. That's the shit I love to hear, man. Like all these people are like, oh, I, I PR'd my this, I PR'd that. And then all of a sudden I hear something like, hey, man, uh, you know, this kid got a scholarship to Berkeley. That's fucking great, dude. Congratulations. Yeah, so jacked for him. And, and, and even better, so one of my other kids that, that uh, play, he won the year before, plays for Arizona, obviously Pac-12. So they play, uh, and they're probably going to both start this coming, this next season. So they both play offense. So they're playing at Cal. So I'm going to be able to go to the fucking Cal stadium and watch both these fuckers that I helped work hard and understand how to deal with the discomfort and the pain and work hard enough to achieve it. It's just, it's like, I mean, I don't have boys. So it's like, these are all of my surrogate sons running around kicking ass. But uh, anyway, long and short of it, I, I got sidetracked there. We were talking about uh, how, you know, the way that's all, how, how these pussies are just being fucking produced. So, it was probably two months ago. I have this 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 kid that comes in with his dad, and I knew the kid not too well, but I knew him enough through some of the other kids at my facility. I knew he's a tough enough kid; he can easily swim in the fast current. The fast current we have there, and so talking to his dad, and the kids kind of walk around looking, and all of a sudden the dad starts going into the spiel uh, of, "Well, he can't do this, and he can't do this." He starts laying down all these fucking excuses for the boy. The boy catches this fucking, uh, catches this in his ear, walks behind the dad. So picture this. I'm here, the dad is here, and the kid is behind the dad, right? And the kid's looking at me and he's going, don't believe him. His dad was making so many fucking excuses for the kid. I mean, I think you go a thousand, who knows fucking why? It's really not important why. The bottom line is, it's like these parents are becoming. They're, they're just producing these fucking excuse-making, non-accountable pieces of shit, you know? 
And that's where well, I mean, it, it's our society is being bred. Well, but I mean, it's, I'm kind of thinking like, why are the parents doing this? Cause I mean, I don't raise my kid this way or, and, and I got three of them. Uh, you didn't raise your kids that way. So I'm thinking to myself, uh, you know, which, you know, cause I mean, obviously you got to think, I mean, it's probably, you know, what generation of people and what were they necessarily learning and why is this coming up? Because I mean, shit, like my brother, uh, my nephew's 10, almost 11 years old and my brother coaches all of his teams and going to the games is fucking hilarious to hear these parents on the sidelines, like how they act. And, uh, you know, like this guy, like fucking like, uh, you know, coming over talking to my brother, all fucking tough, you know, they need to be doing this. And my brother's like, Hey man, chill the fuck out, dude. These kids are here to have a good time. And the guy was like, I was trying to get serious. And he's like, um, you know, like talking to my brother and my brother's like, you play, uh, you know, like what sports did you play? The guy's like, Oh, I played, uh, you know, some football in high school or whatever. And he's like, really, you know, it's interesting. Cause I played in college and uh, my brother's sitting over there, played 10 years in the NFL. And there's a day where it's not going to be fun where you get paid a check and this is what's fucking expected of you. Let some 10 year old kids have fun when they're playing fucking sports. Well, man, it's, it's, and there isn't a single one of these kids that no, and my brother's great. He's like, you know what? Like if there's a chance that he gets to go on and play and do this great, but he's always going to look back at, at the time and the fun that he had and you're fucking ass. And so I think what we're seeing is a lot of these parents are almost transposing or like, you know, their, I guess you could say their shortcomings or their, whatever you want to call it onto their kids because it's something that they didn't fucking I don't think accomplish. It's as much that as it is, there's, uh, going back to the echo chamber concept in that, that, you know, people believe that there's this illusion of power and that their fucking opinion matters in their own little world because they have 400 fucking followers who like their, their opinionated statement and it's empowering to them and they get this, they believe, oh, well, then if, if my fucking opinion matters, then I must be an informed individual. So I'm going to go up to fucking Ed Wellborn, my fucking eight-year-old kid's coach and tell him, you know, I got fucking, I, I, my opinion counts. So I know my kid is better because I'm, I'm an authority on this. I raised the kid. Because, and I watch uh, some YouTube videos or I read a book. Well, so, so, so there was a pretty good deal. Well, well, there was a pretty good deal today. I watched, it was actually a comedian that uh, somebody sent me a clip of this dude talking about, uh, um, you know, people being offended. And he's like, uh, just because you're offended doesn't mean that you have to like push your opinion on me. And he's like, if you don't like what I say and you're offended, he's like, what happens? You're offended. He's like, do you remember we tell kids sticks and stones break your bones? He's like, why is it now we tell our kids that, that words don't matter and this and sticks and stones will break your, you know, uh, won't, you know, will break your bones, words, but words will never hurt you. He's like, but yet now we live in a society where everybody's fucking offended about everything. And he's like, Did, uh, so wait a minute. So now as an adult, if somebody says something that's contrary to what you want, you have the right to be offended, which means that I instantly have to stop my deal. And he's like, that's political correctness. And he goes, that's a fucking lie. So because you're offended, I have to change. If, if, if you do something that I'm not like, and instantly I'm like, you know what? I don't agree with that. Then I'm a piece of shit. Like, like I should be able to have to accept everything. And the dude was like, I mean, he, he made some great fucking points with humor, which is funny because they disarm people, but it's true. I mean, like, I, you know, and the one thing that I do appreciate uh, thus far living out here in Texas is um, people don't really fucking get into your business. Like my neighbor, I was like, hey, you know, uh, we want to put up a building. We're going to put a gym and like, you know, like some like a shop and whatever. And the guy kind of like shrugged his shoulders and he's like, so I was like, well, I just wanted to tell you, my neighbor, you know, it's, you're going to see it. And he's like, it's your fucking land. He's like, you know, like, like it, it was it was one of those things. And I kind of was like, 
okay, high five. And then my, I went over to my other neighbor and I talked to them and they were like, we have 50 horses. Do, do, do the horse, the smell of horses and that bother you? And I'm like, no, I like seeing them. And they were like, yeah, like build your want, do what you want. And I, cause I told them, I'm like, Hey, I'm gonna have a bunch of, you know, we're going to put weights in here. We're going to bang weights or whatever. And the one guy was like, uh, and I talked to yesterday. He's like, um, what can I come over and drink beer if you guys are training on Fridays? And I'm like, yeah, he's like, sweet. Like, like it, it was such a weird deal. Whereas I lived in Newport beach and everybody was so fucking concerned about everything. Like, I, I mean, to the point where like, you know, I wanted to put up a new fence and I had to literally send my neighbors a notice. And for three fucking months, I had to have the same awkward conversation with my fucking neighbor over a wooden fence. And the day it went in, he stayed home from work and was fighting me on fucking inches. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, uh, like, uh, it's, it's to the point where like, you know, you kind of start thinking that's the norm and then you get the fuck out of that nut house and you realize like most people just want to live their fucking lives. They want to go around what they're doing. They want to have their kids grow up and they want to fucking, you know, wave and be friendly and go on with their fucking no, no lives. Desire to influence the shit they can't control. Yeah. And it's like, I, uh, you know, like we, we always say like, you know, like work on what you can touch, like influence what you can touch, you know, and you know, we've had this great opportunity through podcasts and amazing guests like you and the website and do this. And we've been, created this kind of global influence. And it's like, you know, the message is always like, dude, first of all, you know, fucking square yourself away, square your family away, make sure you guys are you know doing the shit you need to do. And on the bigger point is like, don't fucking worry about everybody else, dude. Everybody's so fucking concerned with like, you know, what's happening around the world. And it's like, dude, like worry about the shit after you square yourself away. Like it, it's fucking like, um, like one of the ones I was tripping out on is uh, all the people that went to go protest the Trump deal. And like, uh, I'm just amazed. I'm like, don't these people have fucking jobs? So they were able to get on a plane and fly out to fucking hold the sign and this level of emotion just blew my fucking mind. I'm like, don't these people have work? What the fuck do these people do all day? Like, if you told me, you're like, oh, yeah, you know what? I took a week off from training. I flew to D.C. so I could fucking hold this sign at the Trump fucking inauguration. Like, if you told me that, I'd be like, there's no way. There's no fucking way. When I see those people, I think to myself, okay, you're going to spend all this effort why don't you take that effort and do something that fucking helps, not something that just clusters the fucking problem. If that's not what you believe in, take that energy and do something good with it. Don't fucking add to the problem. You know what I mean? It's just like the perspective on how people see it. You know, that, like you said, you're always worried about what everybody else is doing. You know, you fucking take care of yourself. You make yourself happy. The fucking people around you are going to be happy. You know, everybody's so fucking concerned with, oh, he's doing this, she's doing that. What about yourself? You know what I mean? Have you really fucking squared yourself away? You know, I mean, <clears throat> I look at, so where I live and my, where my gym is and where my daughter's school are probably all within three miles. So, I mean, I don't ever fucking get on the freeway, you know, especially when there's commute traffic. And I sit there, I cross the freeway. Over the, over the overpass to take my daughter's school. And I look at these people in their fucking cars sitting in bumper to bumper traffic and they do it every fucking day. And I think to myself, how do these people not understand that they allowed that to happen? You know, it's like you, these are, if, if you really break down and understand yourself and what you want, you can make the changes to live a life you enjoy or even a life you love. And it just, it, it would be, if, if people could get to that, it would create a ripple effect of positivity. But people are so pissed off because they're victims of whatever. Nobody's a fucking victim. You're a victim of yourself. You know what I mean? 
And it's just like the whole thought process of, like you said, getting on a fucking plane to go be a part of some fucking big negative thing. It just, that doesn't even, I mean, I would rather fucking, oh Christ, I, I can't think of, I, there's a billion things I'd rather do besides something like that, you know? It just doesn't make nah, sense. Well, it's, it, it's, um, and, and Luke, you know, you kind of hit it on the head a little bit. I mean, the idea that, do. that the, uh, you know, that because we've effectively expanded our reach and now everything's so globally accessed through a fucking social media or a phone and all this. I mean, like I always joke with, uh, uh my pop who's fucking going to be 80 this year. But uh, I remember as a kid waking up and my dad on like Sunday morning, my dad would get up early and he would go read the fucking LA times cover to cover on Sunday. And then we would sit there and over the course of the day, he would tell us about what he read or whatever. There's no way you got your news. If you woke up, I mean, you know, fucking he didn't watch TV. So you read the fucking Sunday uh, LA Times. That's how you got everything. And he, his funny point he made to me once, he's like, you know, you guys have so much access to information at every step. He's like, do you think it's a good thing? And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I watched you read the paper. He's like, yeah, one day on Sundays, I woke up early and I read the paper. He's like, other than that, I worked and we didn't really concern ourselves with what was going on. One day a week is what I invested. He goes, you're investing into that shit every two or three minutes, every time you check your Twitter, your Facebook, social media, and all this, and he goes, it's globally plugging you in, and he goes, it's really preventing you from doing exactly what you need to do, which is be successful, and I remember he said it to me, and I was like, God damn it. Once again, um, you know, you think you're 10 steps ahead, and then you're, you know, you, these old guys <laughs> yeah, will, yeah, yeah. will break you off a little knowledge, like my neighbor who's 87, who literally I'll just hang out and I'm like, he's like, I'm going to give you a little bit of knowledge. I'm like, don't worry. I'm writing this shit down because that's the perspective, uh, you know, to be able to hear this and like, you know, like there were, uh, there was a time where people actually, you know, got their hands dirty, put in a hard day's work and they didn't concern themselves because they didn't have fucking time to. And I think what we've effectively done is we've created so much, um, access and like simplification and quick and this and this. And I always joke, man, like, uh, the more technology to get, the less time people have. Like, I'm sure you run into people be like, Oh my God, you train like this. And you're like, yeah, like I don't have time to do that. And you're like, well, wait a minute. You have a cell phone. You got a fast car. You got all these other things. What the fuck do you have time for? And I guess, you know, going back to what we. People can be either time destroyers or time creators. And if, like you said, if, if you get sucked into all this mass media and all the, all the fucking social medias and stuff, it is an absolute time destroyer if you don't know how to manage that properly. I mean, think about, think about you know, people go through their day and they're always. They're always late. They're always this. They're always that. It's because they're not make, time is a commodity in today's life. You know, it's not like, you know, before years and years ago when life was similar, you know, time was, was not such a tight. I mean, it is literally a currency. It's a commodity nowadays because there's, like you said, there's just too much access. You know, if you don't, don't learn how to manage, keep your eye on what's important and keep what's not important at bay. You just, you fucking basically live in your life running from fucking putting out fire to putting out fire. It's crazy. Yeah, man. It, so I guess it's not the information's fault. It's how we're processing the information. There's no objective. You go in and yes. you find the shit that falls in your ruts and, and you, you grab onto it and you run with it fucking thousand miles an hour. And Aunt Lo put an interesting little, you know, people are, it's just a butthurt thing. And so how you should handle butthurt and shit like that. And, uh, it, you know, it's like be prepared to engage and debate engage in debate like who does it better than you and me john like be prepared to throw a, an opposite opinion at listen objectively and prepare to have your opinion or your mind changed 
that, that doesn't fucking exist, man. It's like people are no, well, it's, firm. It's, it's what we go back to what we talked about earlier in the podcast where people come and ask for advice, but they already have a preconceived notion of what they want to hear when it doesn't. I mean, like I'm sure that people come to John Anderson, like, hey, I need some nutrition advice. You're like, great, I'm going to need you to eat 400 grams of protein and that's it. And they're like, but I want to eat carbohydrates. And you're like, well, no, there's no carbohydrates in there because carbohydrates are fucking weakness. And the person's like, well, wait a minute. No, I don't want to do this. And you're like, then why did you come to me? You knew that I eat fucking protein. Or it's like, do you, do you have a two-day-a-week workout program? And you're like, deep water is fucking every day, bro. There's no fucking kiddie pool for five days and then deep water for two. Like, like it's funny. Like, that's what I, I, you know, what I appreciated about your book was the, uh, was the mindset. Like it wasn't the sets and reps and that's what people get, get so jiggy on. Like, and, and I, you know, we, get hundreds of questions about people being like, well, you want this. Well, like, uh, what if I do it this way or this way? And, and, and they, squad weakness well, the yeah, like, like we were, uh, you know, for one of the programs I put in uh, star shrugs, which is just basically like load up a heavy fucking barbell. And I want you to basically, uh, uh like, uh, yeah, power like, yeah, like power shrug it. And, uh, the guy was like, well, should I stay connected or should I drop? And I'm like, if you can stay fucking connected to that barbell for 15 straight fucking power shrugs, it's either not fucking heavy enough or you're doing it wrong. Because dude, when I load up fucking four or 500 pounds of power shrug, as I'm bringing it down, it crashes into the fucking scoops and I got to repick it every time. And the guy was like, well, which is it? And I'm like, what the fuck can you do? And if you do it one way next time, do it the other way. Like, like people are so uh, blinded by the minutia. And at the end of the day, it was like, did you go as heavy and did you go as hard enough as you can? And by the end of it, were you thinking to yourself, there's no way I could have done this for one more rep. And if that's what you can tell me, then you know what? You fucking entered the realm of what I need you to do. If you leave there, and I get this all the time being like, well, uh, yeah, uh, that workout didn't seem that hard. And I'm like, really? Because I scooped myself off the floor of it. I guess you have a different level of intensity or you count your fucking warm-up sets as fucking working sets, which drives me out of the fucking world. Because what you said is so correct because, you know, when, especially in a workout, you can have the most fucking, like, for example, let's say we're, we're the topic is squatting to fail. One person squatting to fail and another person squatting to fail are going to be very different. If, if you can truly actually push yourself to the point when, I mean, you go and, and you, you're coming up with that rep and you're fighting with all you got and about halfway up it sticks and it literally just slowly pushes you back down and you're giving it everything you got. That's very different than getting that a guy who gets to, you know, 11 reps and said, God, I don't know if I can get the next one and puts it away. <laughs> so, you know, it, the workouts are what you make of them. I mean, truthfully, I mean, you, especially if you're dealing with any training protocol that pushes you deep, that gets you, you know, cause obviously you're going to train the muscle then you're going to train your, you start to tap into the central nervous system. And then if you go beyond that, I mean, you're training like your aura, your spirit, there's nothing left to get. Most people don't have a fucking clue what that is, you know? So what you, what you're saying, you do a workout and it fucking crushes you because you're clearly, I mean, you've been a successful high end athlete. You understand what pushing yourself means when the armchair quarterbacks of the world think push yourself as an 11th rep when, you know, most people do, Ted, I'll do another one. God, that was almost failing. Of course they're going to walk out of there thinking that was easy. You know, it's like, here again, it's, it's, it's like you can be accountable to what the principle or the spirit of the workout is, or you can not be accountable and not get shit in return. You know, and that's, that's basically what you're saying. You know, your workout, the workout you did crushed you. This other fucking guy, so it wasn't that tough. 
Like he didn't, he's not, he's not applying himself. He's not being accountable to what the process is, you know? And it's here again, accountability. We can talk on that forever. This is where all the weak. Well, uh, do, do you think that, uh, um, that people, I mean, you know, you kind of went into yourself and were able to kind of, you know, cul- uh, cultivate this fucking cult of personality and this mindset. Um, do you find that sometimes people, and I always joke like fucking need their shaman that all, all of a sudden, like, you know, most people aren't going to find it on their own that they need to fucking show up at, uh, you know, at John Anderson's gym. And like, they walk in and they're like, fucking lead me. And you're like, no problem. Let's fucking go. Like, I, I always wonder, uh, you know, like ideally training should be this, you know, hopefully like a blending of the deal. But I always thought like, you know, you talked about setting up that, that line, but almost, um, there almost needs to be like a training facility where people show up and they're like, I need help. And you know what? I'm not going to bitch out. And you're like, awesome. You know what? And uh, you know, like that, even though, you know, we think we have something and like, yeah, like be, be like, great. Uh, I need you to fucking, you know, pay me 10 years in advance. And if you bitch out, I'm going to keep all your fucking money or you get to the end of this fucking thing. and I'm going to give you back every penny. And I I did that with people. Like I, I had one client that I said to him, I was like, dude, if you make me a six month commitment, pay me up front. If you get to the end of this fucking thing and you've done it, met every workout, met the goals, whatever, I'll give you all your money back. And the guy was like, awesome. He wrote the check. And you know what? He lasted, I think it was like 90 days. He lasted 31 days. And fucking, you know what he said to me on the 32nd day? He walked in. He said, just keep the money. I don't want it that bad. Make it and I, yeah, dude, he made it a third. And it, it was one of those things that blew my fucking mind. And I'm like, dude, this was a serious amount of dough. I mean, it was like $5,000. And he's like, yeah, it wasn't worth it to me. And I'm like, dude, like, well, what is fucking worth it to you? Is it health? Is it like, like I think you have to find something because money is not, I mean, even though people think it's the fucking motivator. I actually think the best one is fucking shame that if you can fucking shame somebody into it, hopefully they have enough fight in them that they'll fucking somehow come out of it. And I'm sure, you know, you have a lot of uh, psychological tricks on how to fuck with people, but probably, you know, one of them's fucking leading, like watch me do this and try to match me. Or now I'm just going to fucking shame you into doing this by fucking harassing you. So here, here, try this one. Now, granted, you got to pick the right person to do this with, but you find some fucking kid who's full of piss and vinegar and he's like, you know, you can just tell he's got that thing. And, and uh, I actually have done this a handful of times with people that I barely knew when I trained in a commercial gym years ago where, you know, I'm a bigger guy in the gym. So somebody that actually is moving some weights, if I know him a little bit, they'll come and ask me to spot him because they feel safe, you know. He's actually this guy that I'm talking about is now one of my better friends. But at the time, we barely knew each other. He says, hey, can you come squat me in a squat rack? You know, I got, uh, you know, I'm, if I get a third rep here, it's going to be a PR. I said, yeah, let's go. I get over there. And I told him, I said, look, I'm, you just basically, you squat until I tell you that you can put it away. And he goes, okay. He goes, I, if I can get three, we're going to be doing great here. And I said, okay. And, and I, I, I know said, where this is going. Seven <laughs> reps later. So I, I had, I had, I, I literally had him by the chest and he's walking out. And I said, you're, you're under my, you're my command. And he, so he goes, one, he gets it down, boom, cracks it, two, gets it. You know, you can see he's fired up. You know, I can kind of see around his head in the mirror. It's got that look like, fuck, I'm going to get this extra rep. Boom, nails it. I said, okay, one more. You know, and I just kept pulling one more out of him. 11 fucking reps this guy did with 405. We racked it. He slowly crumbled to the floor. <laughs> Stayed there for about 10 minutes. And literally, he, he, he didn't put his weights away, stood up, grabbed his gym bag, and walked out of the gym. <laughs> but the the coolest thing about this, we actually became really good friends after this, and he actually became a training partner of mine because 
I took the world that he saw in one dimension like this, and I fucking went, boom, and all of a sudden he's like, fuck, there's, there's three, four dimensions to all this shit. He just, it's like people don't see what that other side's like until they actually get pushed into that world. They don't fucking know how good it feels, you know? So you got to try that. Get some fucking kid that I mean, obviously can't be someone who's going to hurt himself, you know, with someone that can handle getting pushed. But you got him by the chest, and, and you know, I was telling him, I say, you, you can – I said, you know, you're, you're going to squat until you fall down or when I tell you it's good to put away. And I mean, he got that 11th rep, and he, I mean, he probably could have had another one, but, I mean, he was so beyond what he'd ever done before. It was a life-changing experience for him. It really was, you know? John, John Anderson, I got a quote for you. It's, the unexamined life is not worth living. So that, that's Socrates, and I've just been yeah. – uh, that popped in my mind throughout this is conversation. He, is he a bodybuilder, powerlifter? Does he do no. I, it, well, <laughs> according to all the images, Socrates is pretty ripped. So, uh, Well, yeah, no, he, he did, and he, he, he rode around in the toga. But uh, surprisingly, I actually had – I've known more than one person that's had that tattooed on them. Really? Uh, yeah. That yeah. and then Live, Love, Laugh, I believe, was the other one, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and a butterfly of the small of the back was another big one. Those same people. No, no, no. Actually, that's a that's a fucking dude. The unexamined life, man. It's uh, it's uh, yeah. I mean, the ability to push somebody past what they thought was possible. I mean, you know what? I'm I'm thinking we almost need to do like a, a series of recordings with John where they're just daily affirmations. And then what we do is we set up a website. Somebody pays like 99 cents. And every morning you get a fucking recording texted to you. That's John Anderson giving your daily fucking mission. And just to keep everybody honest, we throw like every eighth day in. John Wellborn comes in and knocks you back down to reality. <laughs> John, I'll be like, and on the eighth day, you are a, a fucking sack of shit. Put that fucking cupcake down, you motherfucker. But and Anderson, we're going to get going. Isn't, but isn't I mean, dude, like, Instagram now? There was a there was a podcast that I had a, for about a year. I had a little a little uh, a sliver where basically I would create a recording each week and I'd send it in. They would just pre-record and play it. But the intro was basically it was just like you're saying. It was me giving some sort of an inspirational saying or you know spiel. Never very long, but the intro was me saying. You know, this is John Anderson. You better put a fucking life jacket on because I'm going to take you out of some deep water. And by a couple of minutes feel on whatever it was, I thought we'd get these lazy fucks off the couch to do something with their lives for the day. <laughs> so is that, uh, is that still I'm, out there, John? You know, where, where do we get? Yeah, we might need that audio clip. I was thinking, actually, uh, my little boy's uh, 10 months old. I, uh, I should just ship him out now. Just put him in a, uh, a fucking bassinet and just send him out in the water and hopefully he finds his way to fucking John Anderson. Or maybe just put headphones on and have John Anderson, uh, you know, just... No, I mean, uh, this was part of our deal, man, like to move. Like, uh, you know, we got some acreage and, uh, uh, you know, like it was a big thing for me is that um, I wanted my kids to not only take part, but like part of the work stuff. Like we, you know, like you got to take care of the chickens or they're, they're going to see this or they watch daddy go out and do these things. It's just not a stroke a check. But like a big part of that stuff is like realizing that people fucking work hard. And I think um, when we were sitting around like, like, and we, you know, we kind of talked about it and my wife's like, you know, we live in Newport beach. Like this isn't for fucking us. And I was like, you know what? You're right. And surprisingly, like that was the one thing that kind of struck me a little bit about out here is that people actually do shit for themselves. They just don't call somebody on the phone. Like something breaks, you go fucking fix it. You know, like, uh, you know, you got to grade your own shit. You got to have your own tools and your own this. I mean, there's just not always somebody to, to do. And, um, you know, I kind of appreciate that. And, 
and you know what, and also some of that, um, you know, training philosophy of hard work and putting those things in. I mean, you just got to create a fucking environment where, you know, and dude, I've said it a million times and I tell people this all the time, like nobody's coming to save you. Like John Anderson's not standing around the corner ready to like fucking put his arm around you and be like, don't worry, bro. I got you. I know you're fucking out of shape. I know you're not liking this, but dude, just, just follow me over here. Like that shit doesn't happen. Yeah, like, if I'm talking to that person, I'm going to say, yeah, hurry up and finish up throwing up and get back to work. You know, that's, that's how I'm going to save it. I'll pull you. Yeah. And, and I'm sure people all the time are like, is there an easier way to do this? And you're like, surprisingly, no, I wish there was. Not that I know of. Yeah. yeah not that I know of. And you know that's what? That's worth doing. <laughs> exactly. You know, the unexamined life. And uh, no, it's fucking great, dude. Uh, so, so what's the goal this year? Fucking win the Olympia? Oh, fuck, man. I, I, that is, that is for sure getting the Olympia is definitely in my, in my future. Obviously, getting myself into the point where, because I'll be honest, there's no question in, in some of the trials I went through this last year, my rookie or my sophomore season, that, you know, the, obviously the experience of the guys that have been doing it long enough, they understand the formula well enough. They can find that place they need to be to have that great day for performance or the two days of the Olympia. And there's no question that part of my hiccup and, and my reflection was that I'm so new to this. There's so many things that have to align just right to give me what I need to be at that upper echelon level that, you know, you know, being in this thing more and competing more and finding that thing is a piece of the puzzle. So I think actually what I'm going to do here <clears throat> this year is, um, so I had my, I don't know if I told you guys, my, my original coach was Akim Albrecht. Um, he's a, a German guy. He was an Olympia competitor in the mid nineties. You know, he's been, in, he probably, I think he was like five or six Olympias straight. So he's a pretty, you know, very, very high level bodybuilder. Speaking of which, that's one of the things that I've been telling one of my new sayings. I think you guys will dig this because the word coach is just fucking running rampant. <laughs> you know, anybody with a keyboard can be a coach, but I say to people, if, do not follow the advice or take a coach unless that person is or has been where you want to go. And <clears throat> Occam is that guy, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's old school. He's very hard edge. We don't get along very well, but I think that friction actually helps create, you know, that great outcome, you know? And one of my, one of the things that, <clears throat> that I kind of looked past a little bit was the fact that, okay, I'm a, I really take a lot of pride in being that pioneer and finding my own path and doing things my own way. And I, I love the creative process that, but that last little dial in part of a bodybuilding competition is something that I don't have the actual knowledge base for being in such a short period of time. So I'm going to bring him back on board for that last part of coming in because that was one of the mistakes I made in my sophomore season was I just got a little fucking you know, I got a little ahead of myself and thought I had the fucking program rigged because, you know, his protocol for the contest I've worked with him was pretty straightforward. But just because you see how someone doesn't, how someone does it, it doesn't mean with two years of fucking experience, you can do it yourself, you know, because obviously it's not just training hard and dieting right. That last couple of days is all about, you know, sodium and water. And, you know, for me, the load is even tougher because I'm not fucking eating a bunch of sugary shit, you know? So I'm going to, I think this year, uh, I'm going to bring him back on board so that I have someone to basically, basically dial me in for that last little bit, because that's part of my reflections. I realized that, that, uh, I need that expert 
that can see what I'm missing and what I need to add, what I need to do to make this whole thing work to reach my, I'm fucking 45 now. I don't have another 15 years of this shit. <laughs> well, I, I was going to say you're, you got to be one of the older competitors. And when you were talking about like, uh, you know, I mean, it's good that you're fucking highly motivated and don't like to waste time. And, you know, uh, but like, you're actually at the point now where I think it's uh, Masters Mr. Olympia, which I know you probably wouldn't do because that would be a fucking kick. But, like, I mean, there are guys that are competing in the Masters stuff that are probably old, uh, younger than you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Correct? I figure 100%. And this is my thing <clears throat> is that, like with my other sports, I don't want to be that guy that gets fucking run out. You know, once I realize that I can't compete at the high level and actually get in there and compete – then I'll choose to take the step down. So, you know, if I if I decide that I want to continue to bodybuilding, I may turn the corner and have some fun with the Masters, but I'm not taking that step unless it's clear to me that Father Time has just fucking has caught up to me too much, you know. And at this point, with the especially being so new to bodybuilding, everything, all the changes, the, tra the training is different, the dieting is different, my discipline I mean, my discipline in this bodybuilding adventure has skyrocketed. I actually, after that whole series of last, uh, you know, the, the tough so uh, sophomore season, I mean, I eat out of my fucking containers like I'm still dieting. Now, granted, I'm a little looser with my diet, but I'm keeping that regimen the same. So when I fucking push the button and I, my dieting starts, there's no shock. So, I mean, I'm pulling all the stops. I'm trying to make sure that I carry as much momentum in as I can because I don't want to have to look at myself in the fucking mirror one day and say, you know what, dude, I guess the open fucking, the open division is just out of your reach now. And now the, the one thing that I will not live with is the regret of feeling like I didn't do everything in my fucking power when it's all over and I got to fucking shift and I got to do something else or go into the masters. If I can look myself in the mirror and say, you know what, dude, if you only, if, if I have to think, that I could have done this or could have done this. I will not live with that. So when I look myself in the mirror, I'm going to fucking know that I fucking broke myself with the opportunity I created because you create an opportunity that you, that's a dream and not to fucking put yourself fully in it is an absolute crime in my book, you know? Fuck and, yeah. and I guess speaking awesome. of the book there, John, what's this new one that you got coming out that's in draft? What's so? Uh, let's say our listeners are, I mean, they read Deepwater, and if they haven't, uh, people go to episode 157. That was John's it. previous uh, podcast with us. It's epic. And uh, on that 157 post, you can submit to get it, kind of an email copy. But, John, so, what, so what's, what's round two, or what's this next book? So the, the new book is basically called, uh, the title at this point, it may massage a little bit, it's called Feed the Cycle of Greatness. And basically what it does is it kind of goes, so deep water was some inspirational stories, some training tales, some programming. But what it didn't do was help the people, like uh, in this book, there's, there's a section on how to create a first you know, positive patterns, which will eventually turn into positive habits. There's different techniques to start creating discipline if you feel like you lack it. There's a section that talks about, okay, before you're going to be successful at anything, you've got to look yourself in the mirror and you've got to understand who you are. If you don't know your strengths and your weaknesses, how are you really going to use what you have to your greatest potential? So it's kind of like, I guess to summarize it, it would be kind of coaching people on the things that you can't see. That makes sense. It's all the things that, you know, people know, okay, there's my goal. And people say, yeah, okay. Now, do all this hard fucking shit to get there, 
But if the person's not programmed properly, he's never going to fucking make it down that rough pathway. So this book is kind of like uncovering the things like when, you know, earlier I said, you know, these people that are sitting in their fucking cars, you know, in traffic, they allowed that to happen. People don't think that way. They just think, oh, they're a victim of circumstance, you know? So accountability, we go into all sorts of the stuff that's under the surface, accountability, knowing yourself. Um, I mean, it gets into literally all the way down. It does have workouts. It does have programs in terms of dieting and stuff. But I will say <clears throat> I curtailed these more for people that can't follow the deep water program. That makes sense because deep water is great for people like yourself who fucking get it. But for the people that don't, it's a fucking stretch for them to even have a fucking chance at what's in that book, you know? So this book is kind of more, this, this book is more geared. Yeah, I guess in essence, they probably should have come out in reverse order. <laughs> I was going to say it's the path. I mean, cause uh, you know, people, like you said, man, they, they need somebody to light it up. They need to say, Hey man, here, here it is. This is how you get there. And this is how you progress into it. And I think what's, uh, what's interesting. We find this all too often is that, um, you know, we look at everything almost too complicated and it's almost like, uh, you know, you probably looked at deep water and thought, you know what, this is fucking great. This, and then all of a sudden you got in there and, and, just and we're it. like, wait a minute, hold on. People can't figure this shit out. I got to go a step further and simplify it even more that, you know, it's just not this idea, you know, this mindset, but like, how do you cultivate a positive mindset? And, um, you know, we had our symposium recently and, uh, I did a talk that was basically the change you know, be the change you want to see. Like, if you want to see a fucking change, start with yourself. And like, you know, what I got tired of is everybody was always kind of like pointing this way. And I'm like, dude, yeah. if, you know, how can you, you know, like, how can you tell somebody like, Hey, do this if I don't do this. And it's like, you know, uh, you know, you need to be doing this. And I just got pissed off listening to people. Everybody was like, you, you, you. And I'm like, dude, it needs to start with a me, me, me. If, if, if I'm the change, then you fucking take notice. And then you fucking see my ripple more so than me just trying to cast stones and create a fucking little ripple. Cause it just, it, it just blew my mind. And like, it's, you know, and part of it hit at a good time with just what's going on within the, you know, the, the political front what's happening in this country right now is like so fucking confusing to me. I just can't figure out where people's fucking mindset is. And like, I, I just am like, that being, we were talking about being offended. I'm like, dude, I, uh, no matter what you say or what you do, somebody's going to be offended by it. And that's on them. Like, like, uh, you know, I'm sure somebody listening to be like, oh, I'm offended by what John Anderson had to say. I don't know what he said, but I'm offended by it. And be like, well, you know what? John Anderson's not fucking changing his message because somebody is fucking offended by it. Then you know what? Turn it off. We're grown adults. You have the ability to fucking hit the off switch and not do it. Or you fucking listen to it. And like, a, like every other adult, you listen to what somebody has to say and you know what you want. And then you compare and contrast and you fucking have an intelligent, find a ground or you find a middle ground or, or you walk away and it's or like, go to John Anderson's front door, kick it in and try to be like, listen, fucker, I'm going to show you what's up. I got 27 don't fucking advise, pizzas. Don't advise that. But. I got 27 pizzas, a pound of, or a, a gallon of ice cream. We're going to eat this motherfucker because you know what? Your protein ain't working anymore. And you know what? Like, like anytime somebody's always like, ah, oh, carbs this. I'm just, I'm like, I just forward him your shit. I'm like, Listen to our podcast. John Anderson has had a carb in 30 years. Speaking of, he's pretty good. You know, I, I don't know, Tex, if you've had this problem throughout this podcast or John, you, but because so, so for listeners, we have like a split screen up here and I keep confusing myself for John. Like, I, I feel like we have the same traps and shoulders. Uh, at one point when, when, when we were on, on mute, I, I like looked at Luke and I was like, I think his traps have traps. Dude, you're like, man. <laughs> Jesus. His almost, traps, almost like a, I'm almost like a cartoon. Well, I mean, dude, like you're, you're, you're kind of getting into that cartoon level. 
here's, you know, people say, let's say about saying, how do you do that? And, and I say, okay, let's, let's break this down to a simple factor. Okay. Let's, let's start off with a day. If, if you do all of the things every day that it takes to create something great, and you actually have the fucking nuts and the backbone and the stones to fucking do that for a decade, you're going to be fucking pretty goddamn successful in whatever the hell you're doing. So the, yes, it's, it's simple, but it's really fucking difficult. The question is, do you have the fucking balls to get it done? You know? And so, you know, when people say, God, you know, you're, Consistency. In, shape you're in shape all year, you look this, it's because I fucking live the life, dude. I'm in fucking bed. By 8.30, 9 o'clock every fucking night, I eat eight times a day minimum, you know? I mean, I train, if anything, now I'm to the point where my mind is stronger than my body, where I actually have to make sure that I've given myself proper rest time because, you know, I've just, when you stay in groove, in discipline so long, it's almost like just taking a small step out, I'll have a fucking panic attack because I realize my, my fucking t clock is ticking and I'm not going to waste a fucking minute doing anything other than keeping my efforts working towards the goal. Here's a great fucking little deal. My, my lady says to me, she says, you know, if someone looks at your life that doesn't know you very well, what they don't see is that even when you're doing something, say where you're relaxing or having fun or whatever, it still somehow leads to the goal. And that's exactly what I'm trying to get out here is that if you truly live your life with the essence of everything you do somehow connecting back to where you're trying to go, you're going to fucking make some goddamn progress, you know? And sometimes, you know, you got to, you know, sometimes like uh, your support groups are really fucking helpful. Like my lady is unbelievable at supporting me. She, she allows me to have some of the extra time to, to put in some of the extra dues that it takes to get where I want to go. You know, and sometimes I, you know, the joke is I, I tell her, you know, cause, she knows I'm in a groove and that's it. There's no pulling me out. And so I'll say to her sometimes, I look, I say, will you please just agree with me so you can be right too? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was going to say the only person or the only people you've burned more training partners out of is has to be significant others, girlfriends or wives because, uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, 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 I was picturing you saying that to Ashley. Just Luke. agree with me because uh, you could be right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's I'm trying to help you be right. Hurry up and agree with me. <laughs> well, hey, John, we're, uh, we're about that time, brother. So people. Yeah, it's been two hours of fucking Keep awesome. your eyes peeled on John, man, and go back 157. Check him out. Uh, I'm looking at Texas sent me over your Instagram. Uh, is it the John Anderson IFBB Pro? It's uh, the underscore John underscore Anderson underscore an IFBB underscore pro. It's a lot of fucking underscores. That is, bro. <laughs> we'll, we'll link it up. Yeah, yeah, so we'll yeah, link yeah. it up, guys. And John, hey, keep us posted. I got to say that every time we get, on, we get on your show, we fucking burn through two hours like it's fucking 10 minutes. It's because we're having Just a like that, bro. Ball. You know, we're having a fucking ball. We're spreading positive messages. I fucking love it. No man. no, man. I uh, the only sad thing is, is that we haven't got to hang out in person, and yeah, we're yeah. gonna fucking remedy that. Cause uh, nah, dude. I mean, we always have a great time. It's always one of my favorite shows, and one of the best for the listeners. So I'm just sad. I'm fucking. We'll remedy that in 2017. We'll get together. I love it. I love it. Cool. All right, brother. All right, amigo. Be good. Take care. Thank you, sir. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. 
time to go deep, John Anderson style. Head to www.john-anderson.com to obtain a copy of his book, Deep Water, and for a link to his brand spanking new apparel line, Bleeding Edge Gear. I promised you a promo code for checkout, and here it is. Apply STRONG, S-T-R-O-N-G, in all lowercase at the time of checkout for 20% off your entire purchase. And if your Valentine's Day wasn't all you hoped for, just remember... Uh, you know what, dude? I, I, I've been meaning to fucking text you. On, you were looking fucking shredded, like incredible Forrest Gump of fitness thing, and you fucking crush it. Until next time, 